This is Wessler Media. To see the improvement just in that short period of time was amazing. And it made everything that I'd gone through worth worth it. I'd, I'd go through it, you know, twice as bad to see that to see that result. From Lifeline of Ohio, this is To Be Continued, stories of life, loss, and legacy. A podcast produced in partnership with Wessler Media. In episode four, you met Joe and Suzanne Kubu and learned of the powerful legacy of their son, Jack. We'd encourage you to check out that episode first, then come back to this one and see how these stories are truly interconnected. One of the ways the Kubu celebrate Jack each year is through Lifeline of Ohio's annual Dash for Donation. In 2019, one of the folks in Jack's pack was a man named Rob Childers. Rob is a former coworker of Joe and was moved by the Kubu story to join the Dash. Rob didn't know this at that time and in the moment, but his decision to join Jack's pack was a part of a larger story that eventually have him part of a process that saved lives. So in some ways, Rob's selfless act now has him paired for life. My name is Rob Childers. I uh, was born and raised in Westerville, Ohio. I met Joe Kubu when we both worked for Kimball Midwest. I, I vividly remember the day that uh, we heard about what happened with his son, Jack. It was like a, a ripple in a pond, a drop of water. It, you know, he had to leave suddenly and the word went out and people started knowing it and we were keeping track. As a matter of fact, I still have the newspaper that's got the article from the next morning about what had happened. Uh, I keep it at my desk because I cannot imagine going through that with your child. Joe and Suzanne are good, solid, reliable people. I mean, they want not only the best for their family, but for their friends and everybody around them. And when we found out that they were doing the, the Dash for Donation through Lifeline of Ohio, we really wanted to support that. So we started, we didn't, we didn't join them the first year they did it, but we did join them the second year and every year since. And, and it's, it's just, they put together the team, Jack's Pack, to, to honor the loss of Jack. After the event every year, they invite, you know, all the members of the team to come out to their house for a, for a barbecue and to just hang out and socialize. And we got to meet the little boy who got Jack's liver. And that was just an amazing experience to see that little boy playing in Joe and Suzanne's backyard and to know that had they not gone through what they went through, he might not be alive today. I've been an organ donor since I was 14 years old. It had never occurred to me to be a living organ donor. Just My brain never made the connection until uh, my wife and I were sitting here watching TV one night and she mentioned that she had had a former classmate from culinary school who had had a transplant and was showing signs of rejection and had been told that she would have a better chance with a living donor. A living donor is someone who is healthy and comes to us willing to donate a kidney or a portion of their liver. That's Robin Peterson Webster on RN CCTC. 
which is a certified clinical transplant coordinator, and my uh, title here at OSU is living donor transplant coordinator. But a living donor can be a friend or family member. Unfortunately, due to a recent surgery, Rob's wife wasn't able to become a living donor for her former classmate, but he still proceeded through the evaluation process. It was soon discovered he wasn't a direct match either, so eventually this individual's procedure had to be put on hold. At that point, um, I made the decision that since I was not a direct match for her and somebody else was going to have to be involved for her to be able to proceed anyway, that I was going to continue through the process as a non-directed donor. A non-directed donor is a person who comes forward wanting to donate a kidney but doesn't have a particular recipient in mind. They don't know anybody that needs a kidney, but this this non-directed donor is aware that the need is out there in the community. So they come to us saying, I want to give my kidney and you place it with the person you think it should go to. So they went ahead and sent my testing packet to the uh, approval committee and got the approval for me to be a donor. And then I waited. So last July at the Dash for Donation, uh, we were there, of course, with Joe and Suzanne and and their family and friends from the team. I was training for the Columbus Marathon, so I opted to just do the family fun walk instead of the actual 5K run. And as the family fun walk started, my wife and I, you know, with the group, we started walking along and we, we had just crossed the bridge there by Kosai and we're getting ready to get start the loop around the park near the splash pad. And I see a guy in a wheelchair being pushed back where he had already been around the park and was heading back toward Kosai. He was carrying a sign that said, uh, kidney needed, be positive. And there was a phone number at the bottom. And it took me a little while to make the connection. I was like, wait a minute. I'm trying to donate a kidney and I'm, I'm, my blood type is B positive. So I, I told my wife, I said, you keep going and I'll catch up to you. And I turned around and I, I you know, sort of jogged back and I caught up with the lady that was pushing the wheelchair and I asked her, I said, where's he getting his work done? She said, at OSU. I said, I'm in the system at OSU and I'm B positive. And no kidding, you probably could have knocked her over with a feather. So we exchanged phone numbers. Um, I went on about you know, catching up to my wife. We went on around the park, came back to Kosai, and I looked over and I saw a gentleman that I had just met with his family and friends, and they were all gathering like you will after an event like that. So I just, you know, went over to chat some more and, and get better acquainted. And my wife, Jennifer, came with me and we took a few photos and, and chatted and everybody was, got to meet the whole family, handshakes all around and hugs and all that. that I mean, it was really cool. So the Monday after this Dash for Donation event, this potential recipient called the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center where Rob was already a registered living donor. This gentleman explained Rob was in the system and he was offering him his kidney. So if you were the recipient and you call and tell me that, I would encourage you to give our name and number to your candidate, to your donor candidate, and ask them to contact us. I would also um, offer you, you know, would you like us to mail you some material you can share with your friend, or would you like to take down the website you can share with your friend? Um, We don't do what we call cold calls to a donor simply because we don't want that donor to feel on the spot or feel coerced 
for donation. So he called me up, hey, they want to hear you say it. You know, so I called him, said, hey, he needs a kidney. I got a kidney. He can have it. You'll recall Rob's initial motivation to become a living donor was his wife's former classmate. That direct match didn't happen. And now Rob's second selfless attempt hit another roadblock as he wasn't a tissue match for this person he met at the dash. But Rob could still be a benefit, albeit indirectly, through a process called paired exchange. So paired exchange is a pool of willing donors and recipients who need a better match. So if there's a reason we feel a better match can be made, we will talk to that person um, about their interest in joining the kidney donor exchange program. The donors go through the same evaluation as any other donor. The only thing that changes is at the end, once they've been approved for donation by our committee, rather than being able to go ahead and select a surgery date, they then get entered into this pool. Um, in this pool, we I, I run the program with Dr. Rajab. Um, we look for matches regularly. So we're, we're regularly looking to see who matches who, how far can we take this chain out. So when we find a match, we look to see, okay, well, if, if donor one gets to recipient two, where can donor two go? And then where can that recipient's donor go? So it's a domino type effect. We try to take it out as far as we can. So when a lengthy donation chain is set, it's understandable that it can sometimes break and take different forms. Rob's attempt to donate through a chain broke twice. It wasn't until a third reconfiguration that things started to happen for him, but also for the man he met at the dash. Robin, the transplant coordinator, told me that they were looking at another chain that they would probably be able to schedule the surgeries for February. So... Like, okay, so we're looking forward to it. We're waiting. We get through the holidays. Um, and right after the first of the year, I get a call. Um, and she said, we're scheduling your surgery for January 28th, which was a Tuesday. So, okay, great. This is happening. And, and everything was definite and nobody was, there was no doubt at that point that, that this was going to happen. So, got all my affairs in order and taken care of as far as, you know, my, my personal time off from work and, and things of that nature. And um, then that Tuesday morning, showed up to OSU. Uh, my wife had a cape made for me. Um, instead of the Superman S logo, it was the shield with my, my initial R in the middle of it. And I wore that into the hospital. They took me into prep. Uh, we, you know, family came in to visit with me for a few more minutes right before the surgery. And then they wheeled me off down the hall. Uh, I remember them telling everyone that it was going to be two to three hours for the surgery. Um, apparently, it was a little bit easier than expected because my wife and my goddaughter had gone to get a bite to eat thinking they had plenty of time and they got a call from my parents saying hey he's done <laughs> the paired exchange was complete on january 28 2020 a tuesday rob woke up from the surgery with some minor pain from the incisions but feeling well the next day he was able to get up and walk around one of his first stops had to be the gentleman he helped get a new lease on life to see 
the improvement just in that short period of time was amazing. Even even though I had heard that overnight Tuesday night he had had a bit of a rough go of it. He was up with some nausea and things of that nature. So he didn't sleep well Tuesday night. But Wednesday afternoon to see him and to see how well he was doing comparatively was amazing. And it made everything that I'd gone through worth worth it. I'd, I'd go through it, you know, twice as bad to see that to see that result. It's important to note that this entire story started because Joe and Suzanne Kubu said yes to organ donation and continued the legacy of their infant Jack, which saved the life of another child. It's also important to add that Rob's yes to becoming a living donor helped another man's story to be continued. A couple of quick updates before we go. The former classmate mentioned at the beginning of this episode at last check was still in need of a kidney donor. However, both Rob and the gentleman he met at the Dash for Donation event are still doing well after a recent checkup. A non-directed donor and somebody going into the exchange pool, they're helping, you know, not only that one recipient that's receiving their, their kidney, but they're helping another two and possibly many more if they're the missing piece that is needed to kick off a chain of, you know, four or five or six pairs. So they can be the catalyst to help many, many people. So living donors are just they're very much needed and they are just truly remarkable people. My wife at one point had looked at me, she goes, you know, you're, you're kind of peeking with this. She says, there's not much you can do after donating a kidney. But what's next for Rob? Well, in September of 2018, he was undergoing a series of tests at Ohio State. This just happened to be the same day the university completed their first living liver donor transplant. With the liver, they only take part of the liver. So my response to her was, well, there's always a liver. (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. It's just what I do when I see somebody in need. I try to reach out to offer whatever assistance I can. This has been To Be Continued, a podcast from Lifeline of Ohio, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. Production credits, Jessica Peterson and Patrick Klinger from Lifeline of Ohio's public relations team, and Sharon Sindridge, Director of Communications and Public Relations. This series was produced, mixed, sound designed, and voiced at the studios of Wessler Media by me, Vince Tornero, with additional mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orange Judio. While this is the end of the episode, it's not the end of the story. Visit lifelineofohio.org to learn more, or visit the link in the show notes. Because when you register to become an organ, eye, and tissue donor, your legacy may allow someone else's life to be continued. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.